0: Welcome to Project Monolith, this is now episode 4, I have an extra special episode with this one. I have with me today someone who has literally, single-handedly influenced me into changing the focus of my life, inspiring me to research, create a website and produce content like this very YouTube video. This guest has made some remarkable discoveries over the last three years and he has documented his findings in articles, podcasts and videos. Back in 2014, he was hosting a weekly podcast, Shredding Apart Baby Hoaxes. In 2015, he turned his hand to investigating cosmology and was the host of the Ball Earth Skeptic podcast. By 2017, through hard research and the application of logic, as well as using strict mythologies, my guest had established himself as the world's leading skeptic, a title that no other person alive could claim in comparison. Today, in 2019, he's now travelling through Asia as a digital nomad, continuing to add to his vast body of work and still discovering more and more high strangeness and reality-bending realisations about the world we live in. If all this was not enough, he's also assembled a membership on his site, a collection of aware individuals that are now contributing to his own body of work and the revelations that have come out of this when heard, would make a normal average Joe on the street crumble into a gibbering wreck. So I welcome with great pleasure to Project Monolith, the absolute living legend that is John LeBon. Hi, John. Nice to see you.
1: Wow, Greg Carl would eat your heart out. What an introduction. Thank you for that. That is, uh, those are very lovely words. Thank you very much. That's, uh, that's terrific. You've uh, got me all sentimental now. It's been a crazy ride, hasn't it? Five years. You're right. It did start in 2014 five years more or less to the month actually because it's july now so half a decade of doing this tng what a crazy ride it has been and how cool it is now that people like yourself you're doing your own podcast you've got your own websites and uh, and hopefully more people will start to to do this to investigate what the hell is going on here what is going on in this crazy world ancient history is a hoax nobody died nobody got hurt because nobody existed And that's just the tip of the iceberg it's a crazy time to be alive so thank you for having me on the show and hopefully we can have ourselves a cordial conversation on episode four of breaking reality yes john well it is
0: very good to have you here and Obviously, the one thing I really wanted to just make a big push on is that I don't think a lot, a lot of the people maybe listening to this call are really going to understand some of the topics or even the connotations that you yourself delve into. But also for me is the fact that, you know, there are so many hoaxes and things that you have found that have so many implications for the whole of humanity. Yet... You know, to me, in the act realm, a lot of the things just seem a big joke. You know, we have like the stuff like the flat earth and and all these things that are going you know that go on and Mandela effect and and whatever else. But when you take a step back and and look at some of these subjects and topics that have come out, there is an awful lot wrong and also an awful lot strange about this world. So on your site, one of the biggest topics, if not the biggest and most interesting topic, certainly for me, is the history hoax. So I would certainly like you to give your interpretation of the history hoax to people listening, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. What I should say first, though, is, and I mentioned this to you in the pre-call, I haven't really been a guest on many people's shows compared to how many guests I've had on my show. And one of the difficult things is, because I cover so many topics... I know that a lot of the listeners might be on board with some of the topics and they might find some of the other topics completely crazy. So I guess in this call today, and, and you can help me with this as we go through it, I don't want to cover anything that is beyond the, the scope of what you think your listeners are ready or willing to hear because it's been five years. You know, Can you imagine five years of doing this? I started off with a lot of the very basic stuff like uh, Sandy Hook and Boston Bombings And then you fast forward five years, and like you said, I looked at cosmology and uh, the whole flat earth thing. I was part of that, for better or for worse. I was there when that was becoming a big thing on YouTube back in 2015. And now when I say to people, history is a hoax. Ancient Egypt, ancient Rome never existed. For the average person, even for people who are well into conspiracy theories and who consider themselves independent thinkers, the suggestion that ancient Egypt is a hoax, that's going to be too far for them unless they've already been exposed to these ideas before. So hopefully, for those of, of your audience who think this does sound crazy, hopefully they can at least uh, give us an hour or two to go through this. And uh, and just bear in mind, I'm not here to convince them that history is a hoax or that the spinning ball earth is a hoax or any of this stuff. These are just my ideas and my opinions and I've put out a ton of content on these topics, but I don't for a second think, oh, people have to agree with me or oh, people, when they hear me speak about this, they should, assume that what I'm saying is true or anything like this. I'm fully aware of just how crazy my opinions are, even to people who themselves are considered crazy. So someone who says, oh, Boston bombings aren't real, you say that to the average person and you're crazy. But to those people, the people who know that Boston's a hoax, even to most of those people, what I'm saying is crazy and I fully understand that and I have no problem with that. So even hopefully for those people who see things that way, They can at least give us a chance here today, TNG, to discuss these things because I'm not saying these things for no reason. I'm not saying these things just to be hyperbolic or polemic or to gain attention or anything like this. I'm saying these things because I believe them. And I believe them because I've spent so much time looking into them. So I guess the point I'm trying to make to you and to your audience at the start of this call is, yeah, a lot of this sounds crazy, but I'm not saying it to be crazy. And there is a lot of reasons for why I say what I say.
0: And I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I can sit here and honestly say that over the last six, seven months of my life, I've looked into many of these topics, and there's no doubt in my mind. If I, you know, even for for me to just say, you know, that there's something there, would would be uh, for for my part being very gentle to say the least. Certainly, in the history Oaks uh, scenario, the evidence there's so much building up. As I say, I, I actually mentioned on my live stream the other day, Johnlabun.com is like the hub of the history hoax, and and the body of work is building up so massively with not only your own work but the the members' creations as well that being added to this body of work it is, and it, it it's getting to the point where this is real that there's no uh, there's no turning back from this
1: one. Yeah, there's no turning back, and it has gone to a new level this year. So in the past, I was releasing my work saying, all right, guys, here's a topic of history, say, for instance, the Library of Alexandria. We've all heard about this great Library of Alexandria that supposedly burned down, and with it went all of this knowledge that humans had, and humans basically had to start again because they lost their great repository of information. Let me look at the evidence and see how much of the story that we think we know is actually supported by evidence but i was doing this all by myself up until pretty much up until this year late last year through to this year more people have started to release or to send to me their own research which i've published on my website so now it's not just myself and it's not just tng there's probably four or five other people now who have submitted work to me where they've done the same thing they've said right let's take a look at a character of history such as pliny the elder let's see what we know about pliny the elder what is the evidence? And on every single occasion, it comes to the same conclusion. There is no primary source for this person. There is no book that they wrote that we have a copy of. There is no inscription on tablets that we can read. There's nothing. It all starts a couple hundred years ago, which eventually leads you to the inference that that's when this story began. There was no Pliny the Elder a few hundred years ago. There was no Library of Alexandria a couple thousand years ago. There was nothing. It all started a couple hundred years ago. And that conclusion is what is so difficult I think for most people to even entertain. If you walk someone through the process of, here's what you think you know about Herodotus, this great historian, here's the actual evidence that we have. As you can see, the evidence doesn't support the story. People can follow all of that usually without too much problem. The problem is when you then start to add all of these stories that all have the same conclusion together, that there is no primary source, then you are led to the conclusion that none of these people existed; that their civilization didn't exist. It's all been make. It's all been made up in the last couple of hundred years. That's where the problem is, because, who, like, after you've spent your whole life believing that humans go back thousands of years, how can you possibly entertain the notion that no, we don't? There's no more than a couple of hundred years of history. That's the problem. And so I guess we're lucky on my website that there's now more people putting out their work, and it's no longer just a case of oh, JLB is crazy or is exaggerating or whatever, it's not just me now. There's more and more people saying, hey, I've tried this. I've tried to find evidence for history and there isn't any. What the hell is going on? And I guess it's almost like a strength in numbers kind of thing. It's easy to dismiss somebody if he's a lone wolf or if he's on his own, or if there's two people, oh, I can can just dismiss this. When you get four or five or six or seven people coming back to you and saying, hey, I've tried the same thing, same conclusion, all of a sudden the whole conversation takes on a different tenor. It's like maybe there really is something to this how did you feel john i think this is one
0: thing i've never i've never heard you say about this is how did you actually feel when when you came to the realization that this is actually a thing you know you you must have looked at maybe two three things and then it must have suddenly dawned on you. What was going through your mind at the time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So it took me a long time to reach the position mate now. Like right now, I'm telling you, you can put me on national television with a so-called expert historian, and I will say in front of the whole world, ancient history is a hoax, and here's why. And I'm confident that I will destroy your PhDs and your professors of history. I'm confident I'll destroy them in no time. But I haven't always been this confident. It's taken it's taken time to get here. And I first started waking up to what I now call the history hoax back in 2015. And that was when the whole flat earth thing was happening. So all of your listeners who can remember when they first started reconsidering cosmology, that's a full on thing, isn't it? Because Sandy Hook and the Boston bombings and the Sydney siege, that's just TV lying. That's just the TV lying about people being killed or whatever. Yeah, it's a big deal, but it's it doesn't take a lot of people to lie about this and get away with it. It's, it's not a really big deal. Whereas the idea that, what, we don't live on a giant spinning ball? Well, that's not just TV now. That's academia. That's the whole system. That's everything, basically. That's, that's everything being wrong. And not just wrong about one event, but wrong about where we live. So this is a, like a paradigm-changing revelation or discovery. When you go through that process of, of questioning what you think you know about cosmology, it kind of changes, or for some people, it can change the way you're thinking about what you think you know. So it was in that context, it was sort of within that prism that I was reconsidering history. And if you go back to my interview with Eric Dubay, which was about the middle of 2015, so we're going back f- almost four years now, I guess, even in that interview with him, I was saying to him, do you think it's possible that we've been lied to about history? Like, you know, some of your proofs about Flat Earth supposedly go back to characters from history. but..." Is it possible that those characters themselves are, are not real? And interestingly, if you go back and listen, he he also says, Yeah, maybe we've been lied to about that as well. So even as far back as four years ago, I was starting to broach these topics. But it wasn't it wasn't like a one-day uh, realization. There wasn't one day where it all hit me, Holy crap, history is a hoax. It's taken yeah, it's taken several years to, to reach the position that I'm in now. But I guess to try and answer your question sort of more directly. Before all of you guys came along and started releasing your pieces or sending me your pieces on the History Hoax, back when I was all alone doing this all by myself, like my article on the Library of Alexandria, which I think I, I wrote late 2017, as I was sitting there in the cafe, like day after day, reading book after book, revising the article, because these articles, you, you sort of like rewrite them several times as you're doing the research and putting it together. As I was sitting there, I was just looking around this this cafe. And for people unaware, where I used to live, there was only two cafes near me that were good to work at, and one of them was a McCafe. I'm not proud of it, but that's where I, a lot of my work back then, I was I was doing it or sitting at a McDonald's basically. And so I'm just sitting there writing this piece, and then you find another piece of evidence, another piece of evidence, and it all becomes so clear in your mind what you're dealing with here. This is a hoax. This is a Carl Sagan propagated hoax of gigantic proportions. And of course, the, the significance of the Library of Alexandria is, this is supposedly the library that had all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge, right? So if that's a hoax, what does that say about all the knowledge that came before it? Well, that's all a hoax as well. There was no knowledge to lose. It wasn't lost. A shot right through this notion that there is such thing as an ancient civilization in the first place. And so as I'm sitting here and it's all becoming clear to me over those two or three days of, of writing this piece and doing the research for this piece, and I'm just looking around at the people around me and it's like, these people, these people will never understand this in a million years. You know, it the whole process of of going through this and looking into what we believe we know about history it does separate you from the people around you on a spiritual level like on a psychological level on a mental level obviously but i would argue also on a spiritual level it's you know you can't feel a kinship with the with the regular people anymore once you know this stuff like i don't want to say it's alienating but in a way that's what it is i think so so to answer your question how did i feel well, I mean, on the one hand, I was kind of proud of myself for what I was able to put together with that piece. But at the same time, how was I feeling as a person? Well, I was just feeling more and more alienated from the, or isolated, you know, spiritually from the people around me, you know, and that's a lot of your listeners will understand this as well from, from the different topics that they're interested in, whether it's what I call the baby hoaxes, the shootings, or it's cosmology or it's anything like this, like whatever topics people have, they understand this feeling of the more you know, the further away you are from, from everybody else. But the history hoax because i was the first person to as far as we can tell as far as i can tell the first person to come along and and realize all of this i didn't even have like other so-called conspiracy people to bounce these ideas off other than on my own website you know this is such a niche tiny little fragment of of the broader conspiracy culture yeah, you really are all alone, especially if you're at the front of the pack, if you're like the first person looking into this stuff. Yeah, you're all alone. It's, uh, it's a feeling I can barely describe. I hope the last two minutes of, of my answer TNG kind of conveys it, but yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre feeling, truly.
0: No, I'm very happy with that, John and as a side note and i really wasn't going to say anything about this but you know you you do get attacked quite a bit when you're on um, you know other people's servers or you know on, on on other podcasts and things like this and and you get called a shill you get called all sorts of things but it's pretty clear to me that uh, you know just in this one topic this is like a you know your magnum opus yeah this is just this one discovery that you've made and and believe me you know you you have made many many discoveries over these last 5 years but just this one topic on its own and all the work that has been laid down all the all the detail all the research it's all there on your site and how anybody anybody has the the bottle to make out that You are, you know, a shill or whatever. Without seeing this work, is beyond me. You know that it's all there. It's, you know, and the thing as well, John. Yes, you've done all this research, and yes, you've done. You know, you you put. Thousands and thousands of words on paper, but the thing for me is, is it's always very personal as well. You you always injecting some of your personal life goes into some of these pieces, and you you know you go on little side wanderings, little meanders around, and then back to the piece again. It's pretty clear to see who John LeBon is and some of his thoughts, and the fact that uh, these people will essentially uh, they're, they're calling you a fraud or they're saying you're you know you're copying other people and stuff like this. But for me, I've never I've never come across anything like johnlabun.com in my life. And I certainly don't think <laughs> Yeah, it, there is some crazy stuff there. But it's all backed up by evidence and research. And there's there's hardly anybody out there doing
1: this. So, John, I... Well, yeah, apart from myself and some of the members of my site and now yourself, apart from us, this small group of people, there is nobody doing this. There's nobody doing this at all. It's not a case of, oh there's this other website but they've got a different angle or there's this other Discord server but they've got a different angle. There's not even people with different angles doing this. There's literally no one doing this at all, at all, which is phenomenal, isn't it, when you think about it. You think, okay, they say there's 7 billion people. That's obviously not true, but there are millions of people out there. I think we can all agree there are at least millions of people out there and within the ACT realm, within the conspiracy subculture, there are thousands of people. You can go to the different forums like Reddit, Conspiracy or above Top Secret, or Godlike Productions, or David Icke Forums, and you can see that there are lots of people, or like the the comments of YouTube videos, there are lots of people. There's probably thousands of people who are at least aware of the idea that Boston bombings were a hoax, or Sandy Hook was a hoax, or 9-11 wasn't done by Osama Bin Laden. You know, there are at least thousands of people who are aware of these ideas, and many of them have been exposed to what I'm saying about the history hoax, through Greg Carlwood's podcast, THC, because I was a guest on there about a year ago. So they've at least been exposed to this idea. So it's not like they're completely blindsided. It's not like the idea has never been put to them. There are lots and lots of people around the world who have at least been exposed to the idea that history is a hoax. And yet, here we are in 2019, and there is tngbreakingreality.com, there's johnlabond.com, and that's it, that's it. If you wanna discuss the possibility that, hey, we've been lied to about ancient Egypt, There was no ancient Egypt, it's all a fabrication, and here's all the evidence that supports this hypothesis or supports this idea. There's literally nowhere apart from my website and your website. I mean, that alone should make people question what they think is going on in this realm. This idea that we're surrounded by intelligent people who are thoughtful and considerate and who base their opinions on evidence and who want to find the truth and who want to know more about where we really are and why we're here. That notion, that notion is destroyed once you understand. Hold on, there's two websites where people talk about the possibility that history is a hoax. Where is everybody? Where are they all?
0: What are they doing? I <laughs> I, I, strongly suspect that a lot of them are trying to measure the, the flatness of the of the lakes and things. <laughs> I think that's more, oh, what's going on?
1: It'd be nice to think that, oh, the intelligent people are just distracted by flat earth or by these other red herring topics. Like, it'd be nice to think, oh, no, no, that there are lots of thoughtful genuinely researching people out there, like people who will dedicate their time to doing the research, to reading books. There are people who are out there but they've just been distracted. It's nice to think that, but I don't think that's the case. I don't I don't think Flat Earth has taken away the brain power. I'm suggesting that brain power isn't out there. Like I'm suggesting that people, with very rare exception, with freak exception, to be doing this almost makes you a freak in a sense. And I don't mean that in a in a negative way, but you almost have to be some kind of strange outlier to want to sit there at your desk in your office or at a desk at a Cafe or wherever you might be and read through these old books. I mean, who does that? That was another thing that was going through my mind as I was doing the research for the Library of Alexandria. I was thinking to myself, these books on archive.org, I'm probably the first person to actually read these books. Like, if someone's taken the time to scan them and upload them to archive.org, I could very well be the first person to actually bother to read them. I mean, all the information is there. That's the thing, all the information is there. Anybody who wants to read through the sources, to find a textbook, you're claiming this person said this. Where'd you get that information? Oh, this book from 1950. Okay, I'll go and get that book. The books are all there now. Okay, it's all there, it's not hard to do this. It just takes time and effort. And I suspect, and as I was doing the research, I got this feeling of, I could be literally the only person that's ever done this, ever. I mean, even that's just a strange feeling. Now, I can't prove to someone that I'm the only one who's done this. Obviously. There could be thousands of people out there reading these books, right? But if that's the case, how come I'm the first person to point out that the sources stop at 1,800? Like if people are actually reading these books and checking the sources, how come I'm the first person to say, hey guys, do you notice how at the end of the chain, the end of the chain is 1,800 and there's no sources before that? Like in other words, by inference, it seems obvious to me that no one else is doing this. Like you and myself and a few people on the site, we are literally the only five or six or seven people in the world who are doing this, or who have done that? To think about that—that's phenomenal, isn't it? Really, it's literally mind-bending. And you'd actually
0: hope, or at least, you know, I, I have, a, have a thought that at least possibly one or two of these academics, these historians, have actually come to the same sort of conclusion, and maybe keeping it quiet. There may be nobody out there at all. But you would have thought that maybe one or two of them (laughs) at least has has actually spotted this fact and maybe for the sake of their jobs is keeping quiet about it. It's one big mother of a topic, it really is. And as for, you know, you're saying that, uh, you know, there's nobody out there doing this. But there certainly is an audience for this kind of thing, and you know we have this like mud flood topic, which delves into history, which is pretty big on the internet. And there's also uh, Fomenko's work as well, which is you know this is quoted all the time by people in the app realm. And while obviously it's it's not in the same league at all, and to be honest, the history oaks totally blows Fomenko's work out of the water. But you know it's still on the history theme so for me there you know there are or or should be at least people you know if they're open to the mud flood and if they're open to fomenco then they should be open or you know well i'm I'm sure they would be open to this topic and once you you know it only takes looking into one character just 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 one of your pieces and (laughs) (laughs) it just blows it wide open in your mind.
1: People who are open to this, we know that. I mean, I went on THC and I think my website got about 20 or 30 new members as a result of that appearance on his show. So that's 20 or 30 people who've been exposed to the history hoax and have been so interested in it, they've checked my site and they've wanted to know more. So there's definitely an audience for it. When it comes to people like Fomenko, there's two problems with Fomenko. The first problem is that People love him because he's an authority. It's the same appeal to authority. Oh, Fomenko is a professor, or is a lecturer at some university in Russia or something, right? So people still get to hide behind an appeal to authority. It's just an appeal to an authority who has a different story that they prefer. Do you get the point I'm trying to make? There, it's like anybody. What I'm saying is anybody can come along and check the sources, find out what the story is for Herodotus or Plato. Find out what the story is, find out what the sources are, and yeah, it's going to take you a few hours, but eventually you're going to realise the sources don't go back more than a couple hundred years, right? Anyone can do this. Whereas with Femenko, when you hear people saying, oh, Femenko, Femenko this, Femenko that, what they're really saying is, oh, we've got this other expert and we like his story better. Do you see the point I'm making there? I'm, I'm trying to say to people, you have the power, you have the intelligence. If you can read and write in English, you've got everything you need to debunk history. You don't need other experts.
0: You don't, you know, I can testify to this as I've done it myself, but unfortunately people out there, I think they're more inclined to soaking up entertainment rather than doing anything themselves, so it's uh, it's one of them catch-22
1: situations for me. Well, let me just say on Famenko, the other issue with flamenco is people still get to have their history with Famenko. It's just the dates are changed. So it's, oh, well, it doesn't really go back as far as tell us, but it still happened. So people still get to believe in their ancient Egypt or their ancient Rome. It's just that all oh, the Middle Ages have been skewed. Whereas what I'm saying is, no, there was no ancient Egypt, ever. Not for a single day, not 5,000 years ago, not 500 years ago, never. It was invented relatively recently, right? So, so what I'm suggesting is completely different to the Fomenko, oh, they've changed history a little bit, uh, shtick. So... When people say, oh, well, you know, Fomenko, people love flamenco they're going to love the history hoax, it's like, I wish that were the case. But the reasons why people love Fomenko are still antithetical to what I'm putting forward with history hoax.
0: Yeah, so we've got a, one big fallacy again, we, with the appeal to authority. So. Big time. So Well, one can hope, though. So, you know, it, it's still, you know... It, Fomenko, yeah, it might be viewed as an authority or whatever, but it is still he's still alternative, isn't it? It's still crushing for them for the mainstream narrative. So you know, it is a, a big deviation from from what we're taught at school. But obviously, the history oaks is well, that's on another level, a whole new level itself. So pretty crazy. So John, uh, obviously, the one thing I wanted to also maybe get some uh, more information out there on is uh, your the new project that's going on at John Nabun com with Project Ninja Turtle and if you want to give a little bit of an overview on what's happening at the moment because you know if, if anything is going to push this subject out to the mainstream a bit maybe is what's happening right now at com yeah
1: well what happened was a month or so ago a member of the site left a comment about the Ninja Turtles and about how the Ninja Turtles are all named after characters of the Renaissance or something like this. And they just left it as a joke, like as a, as a comical sort of look at the history hoax. But I thought, you know what, there could be, this could be a good idea. Because everybody knows the Ninja Turtles. Most people love the Ninja Turtles. And you've got Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo. Did I say him already? You've got the four of them, whoever they are. And people love these characters. And they're all named after these characters of history. But if the history hoax is, is legitimate, if history is a hoax, as I suspect it is, then maybe all of those characters of history are also a hoax. So why don't we look into this? And then I thought, well, rather than me look into four characters of history, why don't I put this out to the members of the site and say, hey, do you guys want to volunteer? Is there anyone who wants to look at Donatello? Is there anybody who wants to look at Michelangelo? Let's Let's find four people to look at one character each and see what we come up with. And the beauty of doing this is... If we get four different people to look at these characters of of history, of renaissance history, you'll have four different sort of angles of attack, four different approaches, four different writing styles, and who knows what we'll come up with at the end. Maybe two of us will conclude that the character we're looking at is a hoax. Maybe two will be convinced by the evidence. Whatever the case might be, let's do a, a group project, I suppose, and so four members of the site volunteer to look at a character, one character each. And my hope is in a few weeks' time, when they've all finished their research, we can put it all together into a, a larger, whether it's a book or, a, or some kind of longer form video or some kind of um, article series, whatever the case might be, we can put this together and maybe promote this to the wider audience using the Ninja Turtles as a hook. Because again, people love the Ninja Turtles and most, most people I think are aware of the fact that They're all named after Renaissance characters. So that part shouldn't be too hard. And then we can use this hook to then say, right, let's look at the evidence that any of these characters actually existed and see what happens. And so you, TNG, you've stepped up to the plate. Which character are you looking at? Which of the Ninja Turtles are you assigned to?
0: i have Raphael, so uh, i have the most famous oil painting in the world which i've been delving into yeah it's uh, so he i think fortunately for me a, a lot of it is painting and i think i'm trying to think is it michelangelo who's who's this who was the statue creator the thing that uh, strikes me with all this renaissance stuff is that there is apparently such a, a large body of evidence supposedly out there supporting these characters what i've discovered so far i am not going to reveal anything any more than i already what i did on my live
1: stream the other day well can you give us like a little like a, just a little um 30 second overview like um hey, why don't you tell us where to start like if you wanted to look into raphael where did you start because because a lot of people They'll say to me, well, you know, how can you say history is a hoax? We've got all this evidence. And, and I have a process or a method that to me is very straightforward. I just find what's the official story? And there are many different outlets, but one popular one is Wikipedia. Many people use Wikipedia for the information. So I say, right, let's go to Wikipedia and just find out what are their sources, what are the books they're claiming is their evidence, their story. And then I just start looking at those books. So that's the process that I usually go with. But what process have you gone with with Raphael?
0: Well, because it is a little bit different to the normal just might you know maybe picking up Caesar or and just um, following the sources from um, you know what's generally available, maybe in an encyclopedia or, or whatever, and then and then tracking them references back because there's so much artwork and so much mythos involved. What what I decided to do was well, firstly I looked into into Raphael himself and just to get a, a good background gist on the character. But then from there, I looked at the body of work and thought, well, okay, I'll, I'm going to go through this body of work one at a time but I'll start with the newest first and it just so happened that the newest the most so the, so the piece that he was supposedly working on when he died is actually his most famous piece which is called Transfiguration and I uh, just started looking into the history of that piece so in, into the you know what does the official story say about that piece when when was it exactly when was it supposedly created who was it Raphael who who, who basically you know was the only artist on that piece. Well, actually he wasn't. Trying to get as much information as I can. But uh, as I mentioned on my live stream the other day as well, I've also attacked it in another way. So I've also gone into the the science of paint and the technologies involved in the restorations and the upkeep of these pieces, let's just say that of what I've come up with here is, uh, I, I think I've found the uh, the proof here that uh, might blow, at least blow the paintings out the water completely. Actually, that these paintings that are on display are they're certainly not
1: as old as they claim because the paint wouldn't survive that long. And so, if you can prove or if you can demonstrate that the paint uh, ink the pigmentation or whatever term you want to use if you can demonstrate that that shouldn't last for as long as they're cleaning then the very fact that they're, de- that they're trying to show these paintings is legitimate right there is the like that undercuts the whole story basically
0: it does and it, and it gets worse for them because it's not obviously just the paint it's also the medium that they're putting the paint on so it'll either be cotton or board or paper now uh, i I mentioned in my live stream the other day um, i had a little delve into you know what do artists modern artists today say about their paintings and how long they will last on you know say for example a cotton canvas and so without any kind of technology being applied to them any kind of varnish or lacquer or anything like this if they are just left then 50 years is i'm sure this is actually a guess to be honest but this is the kind of time scale that i've picked up on is 50 years and the thing will rot and that's without taking into account the pigments and the you know the paint itself and the fact that it will fade rapidly so i you know in, in my live stream i delved into the technology behind pigments and you know the capabilities of said pigments prior to the 1800s so you know to me I think we've already shown to ourselves that history is in fact a hoax and the end of the day people do come back uh, whenever if you ever ever get challenged on on the history hoax you never get challenged on your actual work you don't seem to get challenged on the research into the primary sources where you get where you can tend to get challenged is in the you know, look at my, my buildings and my artefacts and in obviously the renaissance period characters you've got all these paintings and pieces of artwork so it's looking from another perspective and, and challenging just how old are these pieces just really how old because just in Transfiguration's case I mean I, I have a, a wonderful digital copy of Transfiguration and I have it in front of me now and I can tell you it looks like it was painted yesterday <laughs> It's that- good so it's kind of crazy
1: You've, you've touched on something very important there is what happens if you try and discuss the history hoax with the regular people it's not the work that they will then object to they'll start making these other fallacious appeals so they'll start talking about well what would you know how are you an expert or they'll start talking about tangential things like well what about the buildings you know who put the buildings there well who put the buildings there Unless you're saying that the people who put the buildings there were the people from thousands of years ago, what difference does it make? Like, who, Let's say Napoleon was the one who built the pyramids 200 years ago. Let's say it was some uh, mischievous pranksters 100 years ago. Obviously, I don't know. The issue is I'm looking at the sources and the sources don't go back more than a couple hundred years. That's what I'm talking about. But people won't talk about what you're talking about. They'll make these other spurious claims happens all the time, and that's why I don't bother talking about history hoax with regular people. right? I've, I've put my work out there. If people want to read my work and then object to it, great. Please, please, people, read what I've put out there, watch what I've put out there, listen to what I've put out there, and if anything I'm saying is wrong, by all means, please, I'm, I'm here to take feedback on board. But as you've rightly pointed out, that's not what happens. People don't focus on what you've put out. They just make all of these tangential, spurious claims that are, at best, tangential to the point that you're making but if if I know who made the pyramids or not, that doesn't change whether or not they're 2,000 years old. Whether or not I know who made them makes no difference. No, and there's there's
0: only, you know, I mean, the, the pyramids are a great example, aren't they? Because the reality is those those three pre- Giza pyramids, they, there is absolutely, as to my mind and what I've looked at, absolutely no connection to an ancient Egyptian civilization <laughs> with them pyramids whatsoever. Apart from, I think it's in the Great Pyramid itself, there was one hastily carved hieroglyph, <laughs> That was most likely carved by one of Napoleon's artists or something at the time. I absolutely—it blows my mind. It really does. And, and to be honest, with all the ancient culture stuff, so with the ancient Greece, with ancient Rome, with ancient Egypt, you look at all the artifacts, and you know, especially in Egypt's case as well, all the all the shiny, shiny stuff that they come up with, and it clearly, you can see that it's just theatre it is literally just a stage show for for the tourists and what have you but when you look at the renaissance this seems a bit more of a challenge to me because obviously the the perception of the whole period as well as all the artwork I mean we can't forget that you know some of these artists not only did they produce these paintings and sculptures that are in you know been put in various museums and that today and are you know very carefully looked after nowadays obviously but then you go to somewhere like the Vatican and there's massive murals there's Great, incredible creations over the whole ceiling, you know, hundreds and hundreds of feet wide. Uh, While it's clear to me that uh, in Raphael's case, as I've done so much research into him, is that he never actually did most of this work. A lot of his work was done by, you know, supposedly the official stories, it was done by his protégés so it was done by a group of people so he and he basically drew up or supposedly drew up the a thing called a modello which was like a, a little plan for the artwork and then his um, his little lemming followers would go and uh, paint the ceiling of the Vatican or something with uh, following this plan so uh, so this is where it's got kind of easy for me in in one way, so so I can kind of debunk the paintings and the artwork from my science perspective, but then look into the Modellos themselves, which are supposed supposedly the the source for the paintings, and uh, trace the you know. Do we have the primary source for the for the Modelo? Do we have the the you know the the history on the Modelo itself going back years? So it, it's a, it's a there's a lot of research that there's an awful lot of stuff to wade through, but a, unfortunately, I'm sure you can see where the, where my conclusion is starting to fall.
1: I can already fully see where you're going with this. And I think it's cool that you're taking a different angle with this. So you're you're looking at the, I guess what you'd call the physical evidence in terms of the paints and the pigments and the inks. Like, is it physically possible that what we're being shown could have come from the time that we're told? So it's cool that you're taking a different angle. Obviously, my angle is all focused on the sources, the sources of the documents that are supposed to underpin the story. And so just looking at Raphael, while we've been talking, I've just been taking a quick look at the Raphael Wikipedia page. They give nine references, at the bottom of the Wikipedia page. Now again, get people say to me, oh, that's just Wikipedia, who cares? And it's like, oh, people care. This is where people go when they wanna know stuff. The average person today, if they wanna know about Raphael, they're probably gonna end up at the Raphael Wikipedia page. So as far as the official story goes, this is one of the hubs of the official story. So it doesn't mean that everything they say is supposed to be true, but this is a good place to start. And they've got nine references, nine books that they're using to tell us a story of Raphael. Now, just going through those nine references, they've got a guy called Blunt who wrote Artistic Theory in Italy. It's from 1940. They've got a guy called uh, Gould. His book is from 1975. Ettinger is from 1987. So you just go through this list and quite literally all the books are from the 1950s, the 1990s, the 1980s, et cetera. There's nothing before that. And so I think a lot of people, when they hear me or they hear you talk about the history hoax, In their mind, they're thinking, so you're saying that everyone's been wrong for the last few hundred years? And it's like, no, no, it's actually, in a way, it's kind of worse than that. People have been wrong for the last few decades. The stories that we think we know about the Renaissance or about ancient civilization, people haven't always believed these stories. It's been the last few decades that these have been propagated to the masses. In other words, hypothetically, if you could go back a hundred years, hypothetically, if you could go back in time and ask people, about the pyramids or about the Renaissance, they wouldn't be able to tell you the story that we now think we know. The stories that we now think we know have only become stories; have only become propagated in the last few decades. So, in other words, I'm not saying that history is a hoax in the sense that for hundreds of years people have been misled. I'm saying no, it's us today who've been misled, and these stories have only been inserted into like the, the consciousness, the public consciousness, in the last couple of generations. It's only been us people of our time who believed any of this nonsense. There weren't people 100 years ago or 200 years ago who believed this. They didn't have all these books telling them all these fake stories about history. I'm not sure if I've um, articulated that very well, TNG. Can you see what I'm trying to convey here? It's not like that fake history has been fake for hundreds of years. It's only been the last couple generations where people have believed this stuff in the first place.
0: Yeah, that that exactly. You know how I'm holding this in my mind as well. It certainly doesn't go back that far at all. But uh, what I what I would say, and I I really don't want to give obviously too much away with uh, with the work that we're doing on this. And I've probably given away too much already, to be honest. But obviously, it's going to be hopefully um, you know attract some people to to what's going on. There was one thing is is that three of the turtle workers if you want to call it that we've we've all noticed uh, one thing and that is that uh, there appears apparently to be only one book just one book that is cited by all all the historians all the you know a- anybody who wants to talk about the renaissance period there is one book that covers this period and that's it i'll leave it there i'm not gonna give anything away
1: (laughs) yeah don't 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 give too much away but i'm i'm inferring that where you're going with this is that these different characters of history if they all trace their source if the story traces its source back to a single text then it's quite obvious you would only need that one text to be fallacious to be make believe to be not real and that would undercut all of the characters that's right yeah and what i found what When I was first looking into the ancient Egypt hoax, what I now call the ancient Egypt hoax, that's what I noticed was hold on, a lot of these different characters, like you'll find a story about, oh well, Herodotus wrote about this other guy, or this other guy wrote about this other guy. It was all circular. In other words, the references for one character depended on this other character. Who depended on this other character that came back to the first character? There was no independent source for these people. And so that's one of the reasons why it took so long to unpack all of this, is because you kind of have to unpack several different of them at the same time, so it takes hours and hours and hours, but once you get right to the bottom of it, yeah, it'll all go back to one source, and that's it. And once you realize, well, hold on, that source could be make-believe, then a whole lot could be. So people have it in their mind, oh, we've got got tons of, of evidence to support this character or that character. We've got tons of books and tons of testimonies and all this, and it's like, yeah, maybe we do, but if you trace the sources, what if they all go back to one? What then? And of course, that is the case. That's what happens time after time. And I totally
0: agree with you there. It certainly seems to be the case in in everything. I mean, it, you know, even when you've got two diverse topics such as ancient Egypt and ancient Greece, how odd is it that it, that goes back to one to one supposed uh, piece of work that's uh, found in a dump?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Oxyrhynchus papyri. I don't know if you've spent much time sort of covering that with your audience, but the Oxyrhynchus papyri. I probably should start off, whenever I talk about the history hosts, I should start off with this. So I should say to people, what if you were to discover that many of the the so called sources for history, many of the, the books that you think that we have, or the writings that you think that we have to tell us about Herodotus or Plato or these other people, what if you discovered that they're all put together? The books that you think we have are actually all just put together from fragments of writing that were found on papyrus in a dump in the late eighteen hundreds. That is you think we've got this book that's 2,000 years old, but it's not really. It's a book that is meant to be based on writings from 2,000 years ago, but they weren't found 2,000 years ago. They were found in the late 1800s by two guys, Grenfell and Hunt, and they were digging around somewhere in, in Northern Africa, and they found a rubbish dump that they claim had all these fragments, and that's where the stories come from. Like, what if you found out that was a story? The average person surely would think, well, that can't be the story. You're making that up. You're You're misrepresenting the real story to make it sound stupid. But no, no, this is actually the story. They found a rubbish dump. They found all of these fragments called the oxyrhynchus papyri, and those are now used as the source for Plato and Herodotus and things like this. That's not me making this up. That's the story. Now, who knows that? How many people out there know that? I didn't until I started looking into this. I had no idea. It's absolutely mental, isn't it? It's crazy. But, uh, you know, how,
0: how anybody can believe that you have... You know, one source for two, suppose two, not one, but two supposedly massive civilizations with all this, uh, you know, information supposedly, in, you know, there. It's just crazy. So it, it just makes no sense. So I mean, we've we've pretty much covered what the history hoax is, and obviously how you find it. What what's is really going on there. But what about the implications, John? What in your mind is the implications to the history hoax? And you know, you've mentioned that, you know, the sources are only tracing back two, three hundred years and certainly you know, in my mind, everything that everybody has looked at so far, and certainly in most of your work, it just doesn't push back any further than, than 1700s. And usually that's the late 1700s, not the early 1700s. So what
1: does that mean? What do you think that means to, to reality? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And I'm still working through this. I mean, I've had several years to slowly work through this, but I haven't come to any final conclusion on the whole thing. But I guess in the way that I lead my day-to-day life, a few things have changed. I, I no longer, for instance, assume that the other people around me, that they're similar to me. So for a long time, I just assumed that most people were similar to me. We might have different interests. We might have different education levels. We might have different focuses with what we're trying to do with our life. But basically, we're the same fundamental creature. That's what I used to think about the world. And I no longer see things that way. So for just one example, My memory is not perfect. I forget things or I misremember things, but basically speaking, you can give me a year and if you give me a few seconds, I can tell you where I was living in that year, who I was friends with. If I was watching TV, what I was watching on TV. If I was watching YouTube, what my main YouTube, the main YouTubers I was watching at the time were. I can tell you, I can even tell you stuff like what I was benching in the gym. If you give me a year and enough time, I can tell you, oh yeah, I remember that year. Or if I was playing sport, I can tell you who I was playing for, I can tell you how well the team was going that year. All these things that are just sitting in my head. I've got all this ready to go. And I just for a long time assumed that's the case with everybody. And not only that, but I'm constantly reflecting on, on the past. or I'm constantly thinking, well, what happened that year? Or what happened this year? Or what's the pattern that I'm noticing? For me, this is all just so natural, so normal. To just constantly have these thoughts in my head, all these memories that I can access. And for a long time, I thought that was the case with everybody. But I've now come to the realization, the vast majority of people, they don't have that. They don't have those memories and even if they do have some base of memory like they can recall if you give them enough time it's not something they're thinking about constantly what they're actually, what they're doing is they're living moment to moment they're living from desire to desire i'm hungry now let's go get food it's almost time to knock off work let's finish this last thing we're doing so we can you know jump in the car and go home what day is it today oh today's thursday today is master chef i think it's a final tonight this is going to be good fun to watch master chef whatever the case is they're very much in the moment, thinking about the moment, and that's about as far as their memories go. That's as far as their thoughts go. They're not thinking far into the future either. They might be thinking, oh, if I keep working, eventually I'll own this house. You know, we're meant to own it by 2032. The mortgage will be paid off for. Uh, little Sally starts school this year. You know, in 12 years, should we finish school? You know, they might have these like loose thoughts about the future, but they're not very directed. That's how the average person is. And I never used to understand that. And I think now that I do understand that, it changes how I interact with people. I'm not so much interested in talking about what I used to want to talk about with them. I'm not so much interested in, in their thoughts about certain things that I used to be interested in. Now I, I tailor the way that I speak to people more to what I think they really are, what I think they're interested in. And I no longer just assume that at a fundamental level, they're they're similar creatures to me. I'm not sure if that really conveys the the point I'm trying to make. Again, John it, I, it did and uh, I'm with you and in fact this, this is one of the
0: things I, I actually like to to test on people is uh, I, I like to ask them what is their earliest memory what is their earliest memory and how vivid and bold is that earliest memory because for myself um, when when I was I think it was I was two years old and I was I was shipped off to my nans to, to stay with her for oh, more than 12 months when I was two years old and and I recall such great great swaves of that period yet when i talk to other people and i ask them you know how far can you remember back and and, and just you know just to put that in perspective i am 50 years old now so i could ask a, a you know a 25 year old about a memory from, <laughs> from from when they were young and they're telling me Are you mad i can't remember that i can't remember back that far how did you do that and it absolutely boggles my mind You know, I, I, you know, it's like you say, you can sit there and you can, given enough time, you, you, you can, you can completely immerse yourself in in your memories of the past you know call up all sorts of things i mean a memory is not just you know it's not just the the visual memory it's the smells and the sounds and all sorts of things that have happened in your past and and you recall a lot all you know all in one big splurge but no people you're right people people don't they all live in that well not all but most live in the moment day to day Every day, and there's just no, I don't know. I think this is the recourse to their actions as well, is rooted in this memory thing. So, there you go, mate. I
1: think it's a huge part of it. And in 1984, in George Orwell's 1984, there's this key scene. And, and this is the thing people tell me that they've read books, but I really don't think people are reading books because 1984, the movie and the book. It's not that they're different, but the movie can only cover so much. It's a huge book, and it's a what a two-hour movie. It's not going to be able to cover all of what's in the book. So there are some scenes that didn't make it into the film, and also I've also seen nothing uh, at a theatre as well. And there are some scenes that don't make it into the to the play either. So unless you've actually read the book, there are certain key scenes in there that you'll be oblivious to, to. And there's one scene that I never hear people talking about. But for me, when I read it, it stood out to me straight away. Winston goes into a public bar because he's thinking to himself, do people remember what was going on? Like he, he realizes, hold on, this isn't this isn't right. There's something not right here. And he's, he's struggling with this idea that he's the only one who is is seeing what he's seeing or noticing what he's knowing. So he thinks, I'll go into a public bar and buy somebody a drink and just see what they can remember. So that's what he does. He goes into a public bar and he basically, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm kind of giving an overview of what happens. He basically says, hey, mate, can I just buy you a beer? just want to have a chat. And the old dude's like, yeah, sure, buy me a beer. Let's have a chat. And he starts asking him about the past. And and the old man is like, he goes to give an answer about the past, but he can't because there's nothing there. And and for me, what I think is being conveyed in, the, in this particular scene is this idea of, yeah, we see all these people around us and we assume that what's happening in our mind is what's happening in their mind. But this is a false assumption. So if we're somebody who sits there and thinks, you know, for example, I remember, I remember the early and mid 2000s, and back then it was still gay rights that people were concerned about this idea that you could teach trans like teach children that it's normal for a girl to be a boy vice versa no way they wouldn't have dared suggest as much because because people would have realized well that's it's just nonsense but you, you fast forward 10 or 15 years and now oh yeah sure boys can be girls and girls can be boys and what have you so there are some of us who can see how fast things have changed and then we have the brain power to work out well if that same change happens again in 10 years well, what the hell are they going to be trying to teach us is normal by then? So we, we've got this access to the data points in our mind and we can see that we're living in some kind of madhouse here. And so we assume that everyone else can remember how it was 10 or 15 years ago. But if you speak to them and you ask them, soon it becomes clear, no, they can't. They actually can't really remember what the what the zeitgeist, what the cultural conversation was 10 or 15 years ago. They can't remember. They honestly can't remember. So they they don't have the data points to notice the pattern to see where we're going. They can't see the trend. And moreover, they don't care. What they care about is, yeah, but what's for dinner tonight? Yeah, that's what they care about. They care about, what am I eating? Uh, Who am I sleeping with? Where's the next party? That's what they care about. This this idea of even caring about their memories is foreign to them. And I think for me, this has been one of the, the biggest revelations to come from going down this path is to realize just how different I am from the average person. Not necessarily different in a good way or in a bad way, but just all this time I've spent thinking these other people are similar to me. No, they're not, no, they're not. They're similar to each other. Once you once you get to know enough of them, you're basically talking to the same person over and over again, just in different form. But their fundamental nature is the same from person to person. Their hobbies might change, their interests might change, but the thought patterns are the same from person to person. They're pretty much all the same. Maybe they're a better way, maybe they're a worse way than me, I don't know. But but they're all the same. And people like me who are constantly in thought, no, we're, we're a rare breed. We are, we are not, we are not the same. That's just, that's the un, unavoidable. There's no way to get around it at this point, I think, for me personally.
0: What you mentioned there, it also plays into like politics, doesn't it? When you have the the changeover of the governments, you know, and the, many of these governments will change over every four years. Some of them might stay in for two terms, but essentially they, they just keep rolling around and rolling round and you'll get a knock on the door when the uh, election's coming up and they'll say oh you know vote for our party they're not in now they're going to make everything better again and you'll stand there and you'll remind them what happened (laughs) when their party was in last time and that the same nonsense that's going on today was going on then with their party oh no that didn't happen that didn't happen
1: it's funny you say that so i consider a lot of this to be almost like a path of becoming self-aware and i can sort of remember certain points where i started to notice hold on the people who i thought were on the same path and not and you remember 2016 was the trump that was the year that trump was running for uh, nomination i mean first of all he didn't just start at the top of the republican party originally it was oh, he won't he's going to run for the republican party but he won't even become leader you know he's got no chance yeah and so during that time the the so-called alt-right was a thing and i was following it very closely so we're going back about Yeah, like I said, three years here. And there were lots of people who I was mixing with online and they seemed to get what I was saying or I seemed to get what they were saying. We were on the same page about, you know, various topics such as teaching children that transgenderism is normal. Well, maybe this is not such a good thing. Or teaching women that they should act like men. You know, this is what they call feminism. Maybe this isn't such a good thing. Or mass immigration, maybe this isn't such a good thing. All these topics where it seemed like we were on the same page but they you know from 2015 2016 they seem to be jumping on board with this idea that oh we should vote for donald trump like donald trump's going to fix things and i found myself thinking well hold on a second here so so you understand the political system is broken like it broken in the sense that it doesn't do what you think it does you understand it doesn't work that way you understand these people are all they're all basically puppets but you think that trump's going to fix things I had a number of people that kind of, it wasn't that they thought that I was a shill necessarily for, for suggesting that Trump wasn't going to solve everything, but you could say they almost had it in their mind of, well, why is this guy, like, he knows what we know. He knows that, that multiculturalism is, is a joke, and he knows that mass immigration is a joke, and he knows that children are being brainwashed into, into mental retardation. He knows all of this how come he's not with us, with Trump, you know? So so I was watching all this happen, I thought, all right, well, you guys, are gonna, you guys are gonna learn the hard way, I suppose, that Trump is no more of a solution than Obama was, or Bush was, or Clinton. Surely you can learn from everything that's happened in the past and see that none of these people are solutions, but okay, you can learn the hard way. You'll learn the hard way that Trump is anything, right? And so here we are several years later, none of these people have come back to me and said, oh yeah, you were right about Trump. None of them, not a single one, not a single one. Like, and they're not going to either. I'll tell you what they are going to do, in in about six, six or eight months' time, when they start uh, winding up the next election cycle in America, those same people are going to fall for it again, aren't they? They're not going to learn, because to learn from your mistakes, you have to be aware of your mistakes. You have to be self-aware. You have to have these data points in your mind. What was I thinking? How did it turn out to be wrong? What was wrong in my mind that led me to the wrong conclusion in the first place? How can I try and get rid of that bias from my mind? This takes a self-awareness they don't have. So every four years, they're going to fall for it. Every four years, it's going to happen over and over again with these people. And and the ones who that don't fall for this, some of them will become self-aware and start to realize what's going on. Some of them will just become disaffected. It won't be that they've realized that they were wrong. It'll just be that they've decided, I don't want to play this game anymore. There's something wrong with the game. But it'll always be that, that it, was, it was Trump's fault or it was Ron Paul's fault or any of these things that they'll never understand. Well, hold on. They were the ones who were sucked into believing in this in the first place. Like, they're lacking that self-awareness to realise, well, yeah, I was fooled, but I was the one who was fooled. I played my part in being fooled, you see. It's crazy stuff, isn't it?
0: Right, we've looked at the history hoax, John, and uh, the next item on my agenda, as it were, is another topic that will kind of get people, let's just say, a little bit angry, maybe, over the topic this is because It's one of those things That's been ingrained in people Since they were little children yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those ones That is really hard to believe So what I'm talking about here Is the war hoax And this particular topic Actually inspired me To start doing a, a series On my own website uh, Looking into war And trying to uncover more evidence For what actually goes on And uh, I've done three parts so far And I've done a lot more research as well But it's kind of uh, backing up what you're saying on the war hoax so I don't know if you'd like to give a bit of an explanation, and obviously not, not too much detail but just just a, a bit
1: of a basic overview of what's uh, <laughs> going on with the war hoax Yeah, more than happy to try I should say when you said like a, just a moment ago you were saying here's another topic that gets people angry, I was thinking well what's he going to talk about because I've got so many topics that I've talked about now and each one of them will make different people angry for different reasons so I was thinking what's he going to ask about? Of course, the war hoax. Yeah, this, this one does get people angry, doesn't it? Even people who are on board with so many of the other hoaxes, this one does get some people angry. And I can understand why. Because their grandfather was injured in the war or their uncle uh, lost a limb in Vietnam or something. Like So many people know somebody who was allegedly or supposedly injured or killed in war that the idea that war is not real, that you know—that that's offensive to them on a fundamental level. So I fully get that. So I'll try my best to, to be direct with what I have to say about this. And then people can, they can think I'm crazy. They can think whatever, but here's my honest opinion. War is a hoax. There's never been a real war between two or more nations fighting to the death. That has never happened. What has happened is people have been sent off to what they call war, but that war wasn't two or more armies shooting each other to the death. What it was was strategic relocation and demolition, things like construction. That's what was going on. Some of these men might've been guarding territory. They might've been told, we're guarding this territory. We could be under attack at any moment. They might've even been told, oh, there's there's snipers around here shooting at us. Many of the people involved might've fully believed that they were at war, but when I say that war is a hoax, I'm talking about the idea of two or more nations truly trying to shoot each other to the death. Things like trenches in World War One, with with two lines of trenches, hundreds of meters or even kilometers wide of men with guns pointed at each other, throwing grenades at each other and mustard gas and all this kind of thing. That never happened as far as I'm concerned. Now, I know that sounds crazy because we all know that this is real. We all know that this really happened. We've seen countless images in books and recreations in film. We know this must be real, this must have happened. How could this not be real? That's what I would have said a few years ago. But having spent so much time looking into this now, it's obvious to me none of that stuff ever happened. Not World War One, not World War Two, not Vietnam, none of them. None of them were real wars the way that we're told. Now again, I have to stress that doesn't mean that nobody was injured in what they were told was a war. That doesn't mean that nobody disappeared in what they were told was a war. I'm not saying that these events didn't happen at the time in newspapers and this kind of thing. But in terms of two or more armies being sent to kill each other over territory, that didn't happen, that's never happened, that's never going to happen. And one of the main reasons that leads me to this conclusion is the people at the top of the show, the people who run the whole thing, they're not enemies at the top. They never have been. There's no evidence to suggest that they have ever been enemies. Every society has always had people at the top of society, the leaders, the storytellers, the authorities. The word authority, 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 the people who write the stories. The living masses want to be led. They want authorities, they want leaders, they want people to look up to. So every society has always had those people. And those people from the different lands have always known, oh, those other guys, they're doing the same thing as we are. They've got their living followers. They're at the top. So those guys have always been on the same page. And the lemming masses have always been the lemming masses. But those guys at the top have never really been at war. Now, people will come back to me and they'll say, oh, but the the people at the top don't really care about us. They'll happily kill us. They'll happily have us killed in in war as like a, a blood ritual sacrifice. And I will say back to them, why do you say that? Why are you so convinced of that? And there is this element of the conspiracy culture, what I call the act realm, there's this element of people who truly believe that the people at the top of the show are evil, that the people with the most power, people behind the scenes are evil, that they hate us, they wanna kill us, all these things. Someone who has that belief, there's nothing that I can say that will change their mind. If you really believe that people at the top are evil, nothing I can say will change your mind and you best just go on believing that they kill us and send us to war and all this kind of thing. But I don't personally believe that people at the top are evil. I don't believe there's any evidence that they're evil. I believe that if there is evil happening, it's what we do to ourselves and to our own children. But the people at the top, no, I don't think they're they are performing blood sacrifices with these wars on the battlefield. And, and here's one line of thinking that might help people to see where I'm coming from with this. If you believe that war is real, that they're really sending people to shoot and kill each other, the question is, well, why? Okay, do you believe America and Russia are really at war? Do you really believe that? Why? Why do you believe, what well, do you believe Trump and Putin are really enemies do you believe this stuff hopefully most of of your audience tng and certainly most of my audience we've already realized that all of that that's that's a joke that's nonsense kim jong-il or kim jong-un with his nuclear bombs this guy's just a clown on tv it's not real okay it's goldstein 1984 style none of that's real so so the people at the top know that it's all fake so if you want me to believe oh but the, the lemmings at the bottom the guys with the rifles you know they they're being sacrificed well who in between the people at the top who know that it's not real and the people at the bottom who think they're shooting each other to to save territory or whatever, where in the middle does someone suddenly realize this isn't real? What, the generals? The generals think it's all real, do they? Like the people who run the show know it's all fake, but the generals think it's real, really? Or what, the the people who run the show know it's fake and the generals know it's fake, but it's their subordinates who who think that it's all. Like, at what point? Do people suddenly start thinking it's real? If that's the, the line of logic that people have. So I'm not sure if that's conveyed a basic overview, TNG, but hopefully I've conveyed the, the basic points, which is that I'm sure some people get injured. I'm sure some people die in what they think is war. But this idea that there are two or more nations fighting each other, that's that's not real. That's never happened.
0: I'm obviously quite on board with this theory. I have, as I say, I had a, a good look. And, and what strikes me is when you actually look back at what happened, say, for World War I, and you try and, or World War II as well, maybe World War II is probably better to actually have a, have a delve into, because there, there is a lot more readily available information on World War II, but when you look, and then try and go into the background information for it, into the, all the reports, obviously, are all coming from government sources, all the you know, all the information is just coming really from one route, and it really isn't hard to tell that there's just something not right about it at all. And the, you know, that's just a surface inspection of this information.
1: Well, let me try a different angle with your TNG. Let me try a different angle because this is such a this is a really tough one, and I fully understand this is so difficult for people to get their heads around. I didn't wake up one day and decide the history is a hoax. What I found out originally was that nuclear bombs are a hoax. So before I had even considered the possibility that war's a hoax, I discovered that nuclear bombs are a hoax. Now, some people will say, what What do you mean nuclear bombs are a hoax? If somebody is still at the level where they believe in nuclear bombs, then there's nothing I can say in the next five or 10 minutes that's that's gonna get them to where I'm at with what I'm saying. But a lot of people understand that nuclear bombs are a hoax. They've never existed. They're never going to exist. They're, they're not real. So once you understand that nuclear bombs are a hoax, the war hoax should almost become an obvious corollary. Well, hold on there were two nations that were telling us that atomic bombs were dropped in Japan, the Americans and the Japanese. So clearly they're in on this together, right? Later on, I discovered that missiles are a hoax. This idea of V2 rockets, V2 rockets are a hoax. They're not real, they never existed. Once you understand the V2 rockets are a hoax, same problem, because supposedly the V2 rockets were being fired from like Belgium, from the northern part of Europe over to England. Well, once you understand the V2 rockets were a hoax, again, both supposed sides of the war are in on it. Okay, so how can you have two sides of the war in on a hoax if the whole thing is in a hoax? What, was it Hitler versus the, the British? And they were like, we're going to have a real war, but let's get together and fake the V2 rockets. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Or there's this whole group of people out there who claim to understand that the six million is a lie, right? They understand that you can be lied to about six million deaths of a particular group of people in World War II. Oh, but the rest of war is real. How does that make sense? How can you understand that the six million is a lie, which it clearly is, and then still believe that the other 10, 20, 30 million is real? How, like, how can people have this dissonance? And of course, I've now understand people can have this dissonance because that's how people are. People aren't; They're not thinking through these things on their own. They need to be They basically need to be told what to believe, they can't think for themselves. But anyone who can think for themselves, they only need to work out one part of the war hoax and the rest will eventually fall into place. Whether it's the nuclear bomb hoax, the missile hoax, the six million hoax, any of these hoaxes, once you work out one of them, the rest, if you're thinking through it, should eventually fall into place
0: well i think that's a fantastic overview john don't think we really need to go any further on that one (laughs) you've been totally given a missiles missile hoax yeah people do get a bit irate over that one as well
1: well think about where i am like i'm currently in vietnam i'm i'm recording this or we're we're doing this show while i'm sitting here at a desk at my place in in saigon in vietnam and i've spent a little bit of time while i've been here looking at historical sites. And I don't want to say too much for now, but I'll say this, I've seen enough here to be convinced that this war that supposedly happened, uh, yeah, people people might have been injured and killed uh, in, in what they were told was war, but it doesn't take much to convince people that they're being bombed, right? It, it really doesn't take much to convince people that they're under attack. All it takes is an authority figure telling them We're under attack and people believe it. Um, And again, while I'm still in this territory, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, if people, because people come back to me, TNG, and they say, oh, you know, you say history is a hoax. Just wait till you travel a little bit. You know, you're in Australia. You guys don't have much history. Wait till you travel. And I'm like, bro, I spent six months in Africa which is supposedly the home of of humanity, right? And now now I am traveling the world. People are like, oh, you you say history is a hoax. Just wait till you go to the places that were affected. Yeah, okay, I'm here right now. And I'm telling you, I've never been more convinced that war is a hoax, yeah? (laughs)
0: That's fantastic. It really is. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, lots of monuments to old tanks and whatever to go and see when you're in Vietnam. That's for sure.
1: I'll share with you an experience right now. This is a TNG Breaking Reality exclusive. I haven't even written about this on my site yet. One of the memorials that I went to was not for tourists, it wasn't for foreigners, it was all in Vietnamese. I went there with Vietnamese family and I I had no intention of even going, like I was invited by these people to this thing and I spent some time with them and it all kind of happened by chance. Anyway, there was one point where I was in one building that had all of these photos and all of this Vietnamese writing and I was looking at some of these photos and, and this is meant to be from like the 1960s and 70s and I was sitting there thinking, this whole building could have been put together five years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, a, it was this bizarre experience of realizing not only is is all of these stories from four or five decades ago not real, but this very building and monument could be a relatively recent construction and none of these people would be any the wiser. Like, once the belief is in, once you believe that this all really happened, then you can be presented with any evidence and you won't question it because the belief is already in, you see. But I was walking around thinking to myself... This whole place could almost be a like a movie set prop, really. That's how unconvincing all of this is. Like the whole thing was almost like a joke. But no one's ever going to question this stuff. Seriously, who questions this stuff? Me, you, some of the members of my website, some of the members of your website, Dave J on YouTube, who else? Like we're such a tiny, tiny fringe of human civilization today. Like We're such a small proportion of the total number of humans alive, that they can put anything out there, and because the masses already believe that war is real, all of the little constituent parts, all of the little photos and stories will never be questioned. Who, who would question such a thing? They just don't, John. I mean, that that's a, a great example
0: to give out, to be honest. And, I mean, my thoughts... To give out to people there If they're they're sitting there thinking Well that John Le Bon is absolutely nuts How can war be a hoax Just think about this There are across Europe Literally hundreds and hundreds of sites Where there have been crosses Representing a supposed death of a soldier And you'll go to this one particular site And there may be what 500 to 1000 crosses sitting there And you've got to wonder to yourself There's not one body there's not one grave there are just crosses in the ground where are all the bodies and considering that most people supposedly in war are usually well, you'd say at least a good fifty percent of the people have been shot with a bullet. So I would presume that there was a body left for burial. And maybe this is a bit uh, morbid and gory, but just what happened to all those bodies and the the figures as well for the for the amount of people that supposedly died in these wars is ridiculous to say the least. And obviously, there's people or different people who have reported or authorities who've reported different figures on the same on the same. So you've got, you know, variations of two million. It's absolutely crazy,
1: crazy stuff. Yeah, that, that variation is a very good point. It's like, if this is a real number, how can the numbers have so much variance? You know, how can they say, oh, it's this number, give or take? It's like, well, how are you counting? You know, because w- when we're told, oh, this many million people died in this battle or in this war, we're thinking, oh, they've got names for each of the dead people. Like this was a real person who really lived, and then he was found deceased. They took his dog tag, whatever they call it, and they added that to their their tally, their Excel spreadsheet of how many people are dead. Right? That's what we assume, but that's evidently not the case. If they're saying, "Oh, the death figure is this number, give or take, give or take this variance," it's like, well, either they're dead or they're not. Are you have you been counting the number of people who you sent and how many came back? Have you been keeping track of all of these soldiers who you sent who never came back? Or are you just guessing? Yeah, Now, if you're just guessing, if your numbers can just be made up like that, and then we realize that people aren't double checking all of this, they can give any number, can't they? They can give any number. Who's going to come along and question the numbers that they've been given? Nobody. This is a central point I keep trying to make. Nobody's checking this stuff. Everybody has it in their mind. Oh, if they were off, if they were giving false numbers, someone would have told us by now. Who? Who do you think's checking this stuff? Who? Oh, there's there's checks and balances. Who? Who? (laughs) Think through this. Who is looking at these numbers and doing the hard work for you and realizing it's all fake? Whose job is it to do that? Literally nobody. It is not anybody's job to look at these numbers and work out that they're fake and come and tell you. Nobody. So either you go and do it for yourself or you don't. But in the meantime, they've got these stories of millions of people dying, and people just take it on face value, and they always will.
0: It is absolutely incredible to me, some of of the stories. And I say I I touched on the fact that you have all these reports from the government, and they seem highly accurate on troop locations, troop numbers, all sorts of facts and figures. And you would have thought they would have kept very strict records on paper, of the number of men and their names In these battalions That went fighting Hitler And whoever <laughs> in World War II Yet yeah, you're right The number variation is so vast it is, It beggars belief It really does And I so say, I've looked at some of these numbers In uh, my third article on World War And no, it is ridiculous It really is And for me as well They obviously split off the civilian casualties And things like this as well Surely... Surely they would know how many civilians died In a bombing run or or what have you You know, people get buried in the rubble or whatever But they know who lives there know who lives in, the, in how many people live in a given street, you know, to at least some kind of degree or, you know, percentage. So, no, it just makes no sense. So, you know, to quote a figure of 13 million and then, but oh, but it could be 16 million or something like this is, is absolutely crazy. It really is.
1: Yeah, or some other expert, some other professor of history has this other figure and it's like, well, where are you guys getting these numbers? <laughs> Like, if you've got these different experts with these different numbers, okay, where are you getting the numbers from? You know, like once you actually sit there and start thinking through the the process here, like what's the method? You start to realize it all falls apart. Because we we just assume, we just assume that there's some kind of rigorous method to come up with the numbers. But if you've got different experts with variations of millions of people, the whole thing falls apart for me. The whole thing falls apart. But had I never gone down this path, I never would've questioned any of this stuff. I would've just accepted whatever figure I was given. This, this Wikipedia page says 10 million people died in this particular war. Okay, 10 million people, you know. I would have just accepted it. I, I wouldn't have looked further and found out, oh, this other expert says 7 million. This other expert says 13 million. And then I wouldn't have thought, well, hold on, how can you have such different numbers then? Do you know how many people died or not? Is anyone else checking this stuff? No, you know, so so I say a lot of this stuff and it, it must sound outrageous to people. It would have sounded outrageous to me a few years ago as well. Now, one more thing, I should have brought this up with you at the start of this particular conversation. The Franz Ferdinand car, the Franz Ferdinand license plate. Does this ring a bell for you?
0: Oh, it certainly does, John. (laughs) This is one of my favorites, to be honest.
1: I discovered this after I worked out that war was a hoax. So when I bring this up to people, they'll say to me, oh, so this is your proof that war was a hoax? I'm like, no, I realized war was a hoax before I found out about this. This was just the icing on the cake. The Franz Ferdinand assassination car license plate now I can tell people all about this TNG, but I'm curious to get to see if you remember the details with this one I'm kind of springing this on you if I say Franz Ferdinand car what comes to mind
0: well uh, I know that uh, the his number plate on his car actually gives the date of the armistice so the day the date that World War one ended so we have the dude who got shot apparently assassinated in this car and you know before the war started, four years earlier, and then the car itself is giving you the end date for World War One. This is, it goes beyond crazy, it goes beyond extreme. There is absolutely no explanation for this at all. It really is.
1: Other, Other than, other than whatever is behind this is taking the piss out of us, right? It's taking the piss out of us. It's almost kind of saying, if you want to take an intellectual approach to this, an academic approach to this, and look at our numbers and realize we're making it all up. Okay, you can do that, but there's a much easier way. Just look at the number plate. It's a joke, you know what I mean? This is a joke of a thing. For the listeners who aren't aware, the official story, this is what I was, I remember being taught this too in high school, that World War One started because some dude got shot and then some other bunch of people weren't happy about it, so they retaliated, and then some other country was like, well, you're picking on our smaller brother, so now we're gonna go to war with you, and basically it was, it was kind of like a high school fight, you know. One guy picks on one guy. All these other people get involved. Now millions of people are dead, right? And when you're told this story at school, you just accept it. You know, it's oh, I guess so, yeah. One guy got shot, and millions of people died as a result. Okay, fair enough. I'll go along with it. That guy, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, he was travelling in a car, and the car has the number plate A I I I one one eight. That's the number plate of the car that the guy whose assassination precipitated World War One. That's the number plate on his car, A I I I 118. Now, if you look at that, you'll soon realize well, that's, that's basically like having five ones and an eight, almost like 11 11 18. Now, what was the date of the armistice? In other words, the guy whose assassination started the war, the number plate on his car is 11 which was the end of the war. So you've got this prop car sitting in a museum somewhere. This is the car of the guy who, because he was assassinated, the war started, and it just so happens that the number plate is the date that the war would end. And that's the same number plate that was on the car when he was assassinated. Just think through that.
0: It's one of those things. And, you know, I, I actually brought this up with uh, my daughter's history teacher because they were doing a World War One topic, you know, over, like, a term and looking into world war one and uh what i got back was oh thank you so much for pointing that out to me that's absolutely incredible and uh I went away and I've, I've since my daughter's actually left school now but this was like last year and i've asked her, i've asked what, what has your history teacher come back to you about this uh this, his friend's Ferdinand car. I says, no, it's not mentioned. I says, well, how can somebody take in that information and <laughs> just like, oh yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks. And then it's like dismissed. And you think, well, you know that that has to be the most profound nuggets of information that you could learn about World War One. It really, uh, it just beggars belief to me. It really does.
1: Yeah, and my experience was obviously different because by the time I saw this, I already realised that war was a hoax. But you can imagine for someone who has never questioned war, when they're given this piece of information and they check it, they see that it's real, well, it, there's no way this fits into their framework. There's no way they could possibly make sense of this other than it's a mass, massive coincidence. Like, how else How else could they possibly make sense of that? Because the, the war is definitely real. The millions of people, dead Ferdinand's assassination definitely started the war, right? The armistice was definitely on 11-11-18. So all of that's definitely real. So how do you explain this car? Well, coincidence. That's the only explanation. Well,
0: coincidence. (laughs) Coincidence or not. That kind of moves the show into another area. Which is uh, sync, obviously, which is a meaningful coincidence, apparently. So, that sync is a massive topic on lebon.com and it actually splits some of the membership, I think, straight down the middle. So, some people are really into the sync topic, and then other people just don't seem to either be interested or get it at all. But for me, it's a really fascinating, interesting subject. And I know you are the same with this you're really into it to sync. It really is. On the other end of the scale, when you're looking at things like the war hoax and, and some of these other darker topics, the sync topic kind of gives you a bit of a, a lift up and you know maybe that something else is going on helping us out, whatever you want to interpret it. So why don't you give us a little overview of sync as per
1: Johnlabon.com. All right, so sync is short for synchromysticism, which sounds like a wanky new age term for something. but basically about 10 or 12 years ago, a bunch of bloggers on the internet. Back when blogs were still a big thing, I'm not sure how many people remember this, but once upon a time, blogs were a lot more popular than they are now. Like in the sense of these days, you'll find little online communities gravitating around Discord servers or YouTube channels or internet forums perhaps, Facebook groups are now huge. Once upon a time before all of that, it was blogs and people would leave comments on each other's blogs. On that comment, you could click that person's name, which would take you to their blog. So this was kind Kind of an early, a relatively early way in terms of how the, the modern internet works for people of similar interests, I guess, to engage with each other's work, blogs used to be a big thing. And so about 12 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, a bunch of bloggers were talking about what we might call syncs. This is this idea that there were these amazing coincidences in films and other pop culture and other topics as well that seems to be more than just mere coincidence. So for just one example, say an actor whose roles in films seem to be following a certain archetype that's not obvious. If you just watch the films on their own without thinking about them you don't notice it. But if you start paying attention to what different roles this actor is playing in different films, it almost seems as though it's a film within the film. It's almost as though this guy is a character that's crossing the different films. Now this might sound a little bit crazy. I'm doing my best to give an overview here, but that's what these guys were all blogging about 10 or 12 years ago. And that ended up developing into the sync book. So a guy said to a whole bunch of these bloggers, hey, we're all talking about all these syncs that we're noticing in films and, and pop culture. Why don't we do a book? Why don't you all submit a chapter and I'll edit a book? And that turned into the sync book, which was released, the first sync book I think was released in 2010, 2011, I wanna say. And then they released a subsequent book in 2012 called The Sync Book 2. So they had their own little online community going. And for whatever reason, it looks as though this online community of people has more or less dissipated. It seems to me as though a lot of the guys who were doing this, they were doing this in their 20s and 30s. Well, 10 years later, they're all now fathers and parents and they're, I guess, Life has taken them in different directions. They're no longer putting out all of this material online, but a lot of what they discovered, it's just as relevant today as it was, you know, back in their time, ten or twelve years ago. So what I'm trying to do with my website is almost—I don't want to say sort of pick up where they left off, but you know, this concept of sync and what what is happening in the world to me, it's it's fascinating, and maybe it does explain some of these so-called coincidences that we're seeing, such as the the number plate. Maybe this concept of sync can kind of explain it in a way, or, or give us a new way of looking at it. So to put that in perspective once upon a time if you could show somebody hey look sandy hook is mentioned in the film batman you can see a scene where there is sandy hook it's mentioned right once upon a time if you could show people enough of these seeming coincidences they'd say oh that's predictive programming that is the people who do all of this intentionally putting this in our face to get us prepared for what's about to come. You know, all of these 9-11 coincidences, you know, for instance, in The Matrix, Neo, his passport expires on September 11, 2001. That film was released before 2001. How come this film that's all about these esoteric ideas and how the world really works, how come in this film, The main character, his passport expires on September 11, 2001. Why are we shown that? Oh, that's predictive programming. That's the people who do all of this, putting it in our faces to get us ready for what's coming or something like this, right? Well, SYNC Sync doesn't necessarily reject those ideas, but it, it says, well, maybe there's other explanations. Maybe there's something much bigger going on. You know, maybe time isn't as linear as we think it is, or maybe there's some kind of force that's that's bigger than we are, that's bigger than even the humans who run the show are, that is putting these things here to help us to pay more attention to what's going on. They've got all these different ways of interacting with the coincidences, the so-called coincidences. And that's that's one of the reasons why I got into looking at this was through 9-11 and the the myriad coincidences that can't be explained just by coincidence. There, there must be something else going on. Is it just predictive programming or is there another way to look at this? That's how I got into it. Now, to me, Sync is far more interesting than, than just talking about, you know, the latest Oh, they've got a bombing on TV, and clearly the actors aren't injured. Clearly they're acting. Yeah, okay, that's interesting, but you know, so what? Whereas Sync does seem to have this ability to bleed into your own life. So, for instance, right now, I'm looking at the Titanic hoax. Thanks to you, TNG. Thanks to you pointing out the the Futility book, a book about the Titanic that was published before the Titanic. That's got me looking into the Titanic hoax. And there's a cafe that I sit at, it's just at the end of my street where I'm staying right now in Saigon. As I was walking there a couple of days ago to hopefully finish the article that I was working on, as I was walking up there, what song was playing on the radio? And they've got their radio, it plays both outside and inside. So before I even got in the door, I could hear the song that was playing. And now this is a day where I'm spending my whole time walking towards the cafe thinking, today's the day where I'm gonna try and finish this article. So I'm thinking thinking. Thinking about the Titanic hoax, the whole walk down my street to this cafe and what is playing on the radio as I walk up the stairs to the cafe. Well, it's the Celine Dion song from the film Titanic. It's the exact same song, right? Now, once upon a time, I would have put that down to mere coincidence. They could be playing any one of thousands of songs. This particular cafe usually plays songs in English, not in Vietnamese. So there's thousands of songs they could be playing. This is just a coincidence that they're playing this song this day. Whereas now with with my current framework that I interact with the world with, I think well maybe there's maybe there's more to this maybe this is like a sign from the cosmos from the universe maybe this is some kind of sign that I can interpret however i want Uh, and i've got a lot more to say about all of that tng but that's that's my basic overview do you think i've conveyed that well enough
0: i think you have that probably more than enough to be honest to say about the subject but i have to say i I would have i would have given anything to have seen your face (laughs) when you're walking down that street and you heard those bagpipes or whatever it was that's on that song playing
1: yeah i think it's it's like uh flutes isn't it yeah as i heard that because you know for the first half a second you're thinking no way and then sure enough you're like yeah this is the song and i think like the words that i uttered under my Breath were sort of like words that you wouldn't want to repeat on a podcast for a polite audience. And then I thought to myself, like, don't don't take this the wrong way. Like, remember, this this could be a cool thing. And I'm like, yeah, this you get to interpret this however you want. Like, it's not necessarily the cosmos taking the piss out of you. It could be almost like having fun with you. Do you know what I mean? And I guess that was one of the reasons why I was so drawn to some of the sync guys. As I started learning about their work and going back and checking out their work, they seem to have a more positive attitude towards all of this. So whereas the mainstream conspiracy culture has this attitude of oh, it's all evil, they do all of this to to harm us or to to mock us in a negative way, like that. It's a very negative attitude mindset in the in the broader act realm, especially the media fakery subsection. They've got this incredibly negative attitude towards the world and how it operates. The Sync guys seem to have more of this. Well, it's, it's all just a big joke, you know. It's all fun. Just have fun with it, you know. You You don't have to see, you don't have to see all this as necessarily being nefarious. Yeah, without drilling down too far into this too quickly, a lot of this does cause you to reflect on what you think is going on spiritually, like this realm that we're in. Do you really believe that whoever put you here hates you? Do you really believe that whoever runs a show hates you? And a lot of people, whether they'll admit it or not, they really do believe that this place is hell. They really do believe that they're being punished for something. You know, they really do believe that whether it's humans at the top of this, or some other kind of biological creature at the top of this, or some kind of some kind of God or cosmic force, whatever they think is at the top of this, they truly believe that it hates them or that it wants bad for them. You know, they've lost faith in this idea that actually they're quite fortunate to be here. And so Sing, I think is one way that you can, like if that's the mindset that you found yourself in, the people at the top are evil, the powers that be are evil, you know, this world is run by evil forces, they hate us, they kill us, they mutilate us, they send us to war and all these, all these really negative things. If that's the mindset that you've found yourself in, consciously or unconsciously, SYNC can encourage you to reconsider that. It's like, well, are you so sure that it's evil? Like, is it possible that actually this this place is what you make of it? You know, and so the sinks you make of the sinks what you want. You can look at the, the Armistice Day, Franz Ferdinand car, and you can look at that as, oh, the people who run the show, they're taking the piss out of us because they hate us, All right? You can look at it that way. Or you can look at it as the cosmos is having a joke with us, is telling you, don't worry. Like, nobody died. Nobody got hurt. The war was a hoax. It wasn't real kim jong-un doesn't have nuclear bombs you're not at threat of dying any minute putin's never going to send an intercontinental ballistic missile to kill you all of that's a joke just relax you get to interpret this however you want and for me that's a big that's one of the big draw cards of sync it sort of encourages you to reconsider what you think you know and what you think it means and that's why i spend so much time on it on my website these days it's for me it's a much more fascinating field than than just looking at the hoaxes in isolation
0: yeah and also, I think for me, is that once you get into the SYNC subject, it kind of escalates with you. And a number of the, the members on the JohnLebon.com have all said the same thing. So, they, you know, they start looking into SYNC They maybe read a few chapters of the SYNC book, kind of got the feel for it. And then they start noticing, as you say, some personal SYNCs. And it, and it builds, and it builds and it builds and obviously in your case John I mean this uh, little example you gave of the uh, the titanic music when you were going down the street I mean this is just one of many you you have shared I mean the the one that comes back to my mind is the ghost example so from the film the ghost when you when you had the ghost, the, the film come on, on the on the telly that one that you know it blows you away sometimes it really does and then a lot of your articles as well and obviously in more recent articles you know the the number of synchronicities that are applied there is something to it there's just no denying it at all it just it's just one after the other after the other after the other and you're only looking you know sometimes and a narrow view of a particular thing you know a movie or whatever just, and just one little section of it and you're pulling out about 30 different things that how is this possible <laughs> how is it possible
1: yeah yeah you're right it, it all does snowball and if you read the sync books this is something that a few of their authors talk about is this idea of well of course when you become more open-minded to it you're kind of looking for it so of course you're going to see it more it's what they call the the texas sharpshooter fallacy like well of course you're noticing all of these amazing coincidences you know you're looking for them now and i think an element like there's an element of that that is true like once you become more open-minded to it of course you're going to see more but that's they've always been there the whole point is we've had our minds shut off to them for so long and why and i look back and i think at what age did someone teach me what a coincidence is now you think back when did someone tell me that these amazing connections are just coincidences. As in, you've noticed something that's pretty amazing that makes you feel as though it was almost done for you. There's almost some kind of, I use the word cosmic, but there's, there's some kind of universal force that has just done something that is very significant to you, and you should dismiss it because it's just a coincidence. You know, how old was I when I was trained to see things that way? And this is what we do, especially in in Western culture, is we teach young children, oh, you just noticed this amazing thing that almost seems like it was a universal sign just for you. Yeah, just forget about it. Just a coincidence, right? That's what we train children to think. And so especially people who go through the education system and they're taught that, oh, we're just made of stars. We're made of atoms. We live on a giant spinning ball going around the sun. This is all an accident. All of your thoughts and feelings—they're not really unique. They're just cause and effect reactions from the chemicals in your brain. All of this kind of stuff. That kind of framework that we that we train people to have. Well, sync goes against that. So, so the person who believes themselves to be so intelligent, so smart, so learned. Oh well, you know, we know that the gods not real, and we know that we're just made of atoms, and we know it's all just cause and effect, and it's it's all meaningless. Well, of course they're going to reject sync because they've accepted their own life as meaningless. Whereas what sync is saying. Is, is no, it. your life can have meaning. You get to be the one who chooses what the meaning is. And now that you're doing that, look around at all of these signs you can interpret whatever way you want. So in my case, the music from Titanic is playing as I get to the cafe. I get to interpret that however I want. Now, if I interpret that as the cosmos saying to me, you're doing good work here today, JLB. Make sure you finish this article. This is good. This is gonna help you. It's gonna help your website. People are gonna enjoy it. Make sure you get it done today or get it done soon. I can interpret it that way. And by being open to this, I get to have that interpretation and I can interpret it however I want. But the person who says, no, it's all just a coincidence, bang, the, the world becomes very meaningless to them. All of these signs that they can interpret however they want, meaningless. They're missing out on so much of what this world has to offer, so much of what existence has to offer, they're missing out on all of it because they were trained at a young age to say just a coincidence
0: there's one thing obviously i've noticed and i, and I know you've noticed this as well what i'm going to say because you have gave an example in the past is children children younger children do notice these coincidences don't they maybe not talking about complete zany things but i mean i know yuri the one time i remember there was somebody a little girl talking about one uh, in a porsche or something when she wanted to grow up and it just so happened that she saw one pass a school oh, and that was it she'd given a presentation actually not she? In the and and she saw one go past the school and was absolutely amazed at this coincidence, which was obviously a sink, you know, it's exactly what we're talking about. yet you know, the people she were with you, she was with at the time were just dismissive of it, weren't they? And and I think this is this is kind of what what happens is that children have this, you know, this, this awareness of things like this, but the, the when you call it the programming or you know, all that goes on in your education and, and through your learning as you're going into adulthood, you kind of it's kind of driven out of you, and it's good. It's so nice to maybe find this part of your life that you've lost so long ago. It is quite magical, to say the least. It really is. Well,
1: let me give some context with that story. So that girl, what was happening was I was sitting in a McDonald's. As, again, that was one of the two cafes. Most of the work that you see on my website from 2017 and 2018, those two years, I was living in a place in Brisbane in a suburb called Capira, and there were two places near me that were good for me to sit down with my computer. There was a regular cafe and a McDonald's. McDonald's and McCafe. Cafe. So one night I was sitting there working on one thing or another, and on the table next to me is a family, and I think the girl was the friend of the family's girl. So, like mum, mum, daughter, and then daughter's friend. And she was telling a story about how she was giving a show and tell presentation or some kind of presentation at the front of a class. She was telling all of her classmates that when she grew up, she wanted to own, and I can't remember if it was a Porsche or a Ferrari, but. A, a kind of car that we all accept is expensive and you, know, you need money to own. And as she was giving the presentation, one of these drove past her school. And the suburb that I'm in, there's not many of these cars. Okay, the suburb that I was in at the time is not even close to a wealthy suburb. So the chances that one of these would drive past her school at any time is remote. But as she's giving her speech about how she wants to own one, Come on, right? So she's telling this story to parents of her, of her friend, and uh, they weren't like dismissive. Like, I don't, from memory, they weren't trying to tell her, well, who cares? It doesn't matter. But they just weren't interested. They just weren't interested. Now, if that same girl told me that story, my response might be something along the lines of, well, do you think maybe that's a sign? Like, maybe that's a sign from the universe that you can have a, a Porsche if you want one. Like, there's nothing stopping you from working hard and getting the money and, and buying that car. Maybe that's a sign, you know? That would be my response to it. But, what we're trained now to do is to say, "Well, no, that's crazy. You th- you think that's a sign? <laughs> you think that's a sign from from the universe or from God or from the cosmos? You're crazy, man. That's just a coincidence." Yeah. And and as I was sitting there, the right next to this girl, you know, she's she's kind of going through that conditioning right now. Okay. So that the parents didn't, the two adults did not dismiss her, what she was saying, but by taking no interest, uh, that's that's one part of this process that that we go through of of being taught. Don't, don't think of yourself as special, don't think of the signs as being signs. It's just a coincidence. Nobody cares, basically.
0: It's hard to interpret, isn't it, why? You know, why it's all these things are just like drilled into you and drilled out of you over the years. It's just absolutely crazy. Anyway, I I think that's a good overview of the sync topic. And uh, if there's one subject I really wanted to touch on before we end it, and I know we've done, we're doing almost two hours already. So if we could just touch on one of my favourite topics of late, uh, which is the diamond hoax, I I would love you to just give a brief overview of the diamond oaks and as it is again light sink it is quite light-hearted even
1: if everybody has been ripped off please Please share us your thoughts on the Diamond Oaks, John. All right. Well, I'm blessed because now on my website, there's there's dozens and dozens of members, but there's a, there's a couple dozen in particular who are, I guess, highly engaged with the work. And so a lot of the times, somebody will say something to me or they'll suggest something that I haven't actually thought of or I haven't looked into properly myself, or maybe I've heard of it, but I haven't taken the time to look into it properly yet. And so we were doing a member call a few months ago. I remember I was in... Had just gotten to Malaysia, so it must have been the first... Like my first couple weeks in Malaysia, because I remember where I was when we were recording the call. And Anyway, this particular member of the website had suggested to me that diamonds are not what we think they are, that we've kind of been hoaxed about the concept of diamonds, that they're not really even made of carbon. And it caused me to think, well, hold on, I've always assumed that diamonds are made of carbon. I've always believed that. But the truth of the matter is, I have no evidence that that's the case. I remember in chemistry, in senior high school chemistry, we were taught about how oh, graphite and diamonds are made of the same base level material. We call these things atoms, carbon atoms. I remembered all of that, but in terms of evidence that diamonds are made of of, uh, graphite or are made of carbon, I had no evidence. So I thought, you know what, I will go and look into this. Fast forward through what I came to learn, I came to learn that diamonds as we know them are a hoax. They're not mined out of the ground. They're produced in factories in China. This isn't a secret, they openly admit this, if you go looking for it they don't they don't hide the fact that they make the diamonds in china they just don't widely publicize it they do claim oh we no no we we sell the good diamonds for for money for, for good money for uh, for jewelry but we use the lab diamonds for um for like construction tools and and this kind of thing but if you dig into it further they also admit that no one can tell the difference between the mined diamonds and the lab diamonds And even calling them lab diamonds is overstating the fact they're just factories. The same way that factories produce all kinds of plastic crap consumables for people in America and Australia, this kind of thing, same thing in factories. They're just making the diamonds in factories. They just have these devices that use high temperature and high pressure, and they take whatever substances they take, and they compress them down, and you've got diamonds, right? So this idea that the people are buying these diamonds that are worth thousands of dollars, none of those diamonds are worth anything other than what is being paid for them. And this is the whole scam. The value of the diamond isn't inherent in any way. The value is how much you spend on it. I'm gonna spend $1,000, $2,000, $5,000. i am gonna spend a month's wage, two months wage. It doesn't matter. What matters is that that money's being spent on the diamond, but the diamond itself has no inherent value whatsoever. So people have this idea of, oh, but, but the experts, you know, they've got, the, they've got the four C's, the color and the clarity and the carat. That's that's just make believe as well. That was all put together by a guy who was selling diamonds. Okay, so what people think is this objective metric to determine the inherent value of a diamond, that's a gimmick as well. That's a hoax. There is no inherent value to the diamonds. They're made on the cheap in Chinese factories. The whole thing is a complete hoax, a complete scam, basically.
0: And you know, uh, this 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 topic just highlights for me just how diverse, how different com is from anywhere else in the app realm so you you'll go on youtube you'll you know you'll whatever website wherever you want to go and who who is talking about the diamond hoax nobody Nobody knows. And said I did want to mention the ultrasound, but I can leave that. But these things, you know, there's all these topics, all these subjects on JohnLeBun.com and nobody is talking about them at all outside of
1: JohnLeBun.com. And I've got a huge advantage now that I have to say, because I've got these other members on the site, sometimes I get ideas for things that I hadn't thought of and maybe I wouldn't have thought of. And this is a good example, TJ. You've got to take some credit here. You were that member I was talking about who suggested that diamonds aren't made of carbon which is an idea that I hadn't even considered. And it was you who sent me that email talking about, well, if you try and, and find out what a diamond is really made of, it doesn't work the way they say. Like you were looking at it from this uh, scientific angle, I suppose, because of your background in science or engineering or what have you. And that got me looking into, well, what do I know about diamond? So that was your suggestion that got me on that path in the first place.
0: As usual though, John, you go digging <laughs> and what do you do? You find a, a revelation again, a revelation after revelation and there's, there, there just is, you know, it's crazy to me that there's all these topics sitting there at johnlabon.com and this is just just highlights an example that you know the diamond oaks that this is something that you know it's not dark it's not it's just something that everybody should know
1: about it really is it's just crazy but it is another topic even though it's not dark it's not like the ultrasound hoax of these other things there is an element of you can understand why people don't want to know this because what if you've already spent three thousand dollars on a diamond do you really want to know that it was made in a factory in china for a few dollars and that you're a sucker? Like, does anyone really want to know that? And it's it's even worse than that. It's not just that you're a sucker if you bought the diamond. Even if you've never bought the diamond, who are the people who want the diamonds? I mean, before I did the research, I didn't know that people actually did buy diamond rings so commonly. I thought it was like a niche thing. Like, it's in movies, oh, I'll buy a diamond ring. But I, I didn't realize, no, this is, to this day, it's something like three quarters of, of weddings in America involve a diamond ring. I didn't know that. Because I'm not married, very few of my friends or acquaintances back home are married. Like the whole marriage industry is, is fairly distanced from myself or I'm distanced from it. I don't, I don't really know much about this stuff. So I learned, oh, really three quarters of, of weddings involve a diamond ring, like that's huge, yeah? And who's pushing for the diamond rings? Who are the people who want the diamond rings? Well, of course it's the women, yeah? Do you think, do you think any man wakes up in the morning and thinks to himself, I can't wait to go diamond ring shopping today. Of course not. He's doing that to impress the woman. So there's this whole other element to the diamond hoax, which is the diamond ring hoax, which is the marriage hoax, the marriage scam. What is the man doing when he's spending all this money on a diamond ring or on the wedding itself, right? What is he doing? Well, he's justifying his relationship with this woman. So the, the diamond hoax goes to the heart of one of the most, in, in a way, it kind of is one of the darkest hoaxes going on which is this relationship hoax, this love hoax, this this Disney-esque idea that people have of, of the people in their lives, and the evidence doesn't support it. The evidence doesn't support this idea that you two are together because you love each other like in the movies. No, it doesn't. You have to go through this stupid ritual of spending ridiculous amounts of money on things like diamonds, yeah, or paying 30% extra to hire a venue, because it's for a wedding, how come they're allowed to charge you extra? Because Just because it's a wedding, it's the same food being served, it's the same venue, same staff, how come they're allowed to charge you more? Because it's a wedding, why are you gonna pay it? Because you have to, to justify the marriage, because that's what the woman wants. Why does she want that? Doesn't she love you? Well, she does and she doesn't, if you know what I mean. The diamond hoax is almost like the tip of the iceberg of, and the diamond hoax itself is not dark, but what it leads you to reconsider about the modern marriage the modern relationship to an extent tng i think for some people it kind of will be dark really if you think about it well i can relate can't i because i've been married twice already i was about to say that and i thought i better not no well, i've
0: told you before I, I certainly i certainly won't be buying another diamond ring in fact i, I have thought about this and i, and I thought that if I, if i do propose to another lady then she'll probably get something like a banana or something off me. She's certainly not going to get a diamond ring.
1: <laughs> you, you could buy a factory diamond ring and pass it off as a legit diamond ring. I mean, she wouldn't know the difference. The experts don't. So how would she? <laughs>
0: that, that's fantastic. Of course. <laughs> they wouldn't, would they? Because they can't tell the difference. Oh, it's brilliant.
1: And they admit it if you look into it. that's. And you've touched on this a couple of times in this call. And I've touched on it a couple of times. It's like, guys, look at all these topics that are hoaxes. Yeah. Look at all these topics that are hosts. How come no one else has exposed all of this before? Why? And it's because no one's looking into it. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's like, if I didn't know better, I would think maybe I was put here. Like, maybe this is like a giant test. And so all of these goodies are just waiting for me. Like, I'm going to be the first person to find them. Or the people on my website, like yourself, will be the first person to find them. Because we're the only player characters here, right? All of the other people... They're just part of the furniture. They're not put here to discover the hoaxes. We've got all these hoaxes to discover. No one's gonna discover them before us because no one's looking and they're everywhere. They're everywhere from ultrasound, to diamonds, to ancient Egypt, to the Titanic, to war. You name it, there's a good chance it's a hoax and nobody will have discovered it because all of the other people, they're part of the broader hoax, the human hoax. They're part of this hoax, this idea that they're all like us, no they're not. They're non-player characters. They're just part of the furniture.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to end the show here. But the fact that you've brought up NPCs, I'd like to ask you one question before we say goodbye to the the viewers. And that is, uh, I'm on episode four now. I I would very much like to have a return visit (laughs) or a return show. So may I invite you back to talk again? But I'd like you to come and talk to me on a specific episode and that will be uh, episode 17 so it's a it's a few weeks away yet but i just like to ask you would you mind coming back and returning and maybe we could talk about uh, what you're referring to now as the mpc which obviously is yet an, another massive subject and topic of
1: conversation on johnlabon.com what say you john Lebon? i'll be here for episode 17 i'll be here whenever i'm invited and i have to say it's so cool to think that in a couple minutes we press stop record and that's my work done the idea that someone else has to edit all of this and clean it all up man this is uh, this is an absolute pleasure because normally once I press stop recording that's the beginning of the work done and I've got two days of sitting in front of a computer to finish the work so my friend TNG if you're happy to do the editing my friend i'll be here anytime you invite me this is so easy i get to sit here have a chat and uh, and then we press the red button and that's it mate i'll be here whenever you want me thank you very much
0: so uh, thank you for your time john it's been an absolute pleasure as always and yeah let's uh, see what episode 17 brings so thank you and to everybody this has been take no gnosis and john laban please get in touch with him at johnlaban.com have a look at his work it's goodbye for now
2: of someone else's dream Is your life lived in the shadow of a myth Someone else's story and glory Why do you think That this world is real at all Do you believe Or you are told To accept the waking dream Of another as your own To be lost In the crowd, a voice unheard Is that what you desire? Or do you hold onto a thought of your own making? Create the dream anew No one but you Can create your destiny If not you Then who? If not you Then who? Once I thought as you Once I was lost and ashamed Standing at the crossroads of fate of fates Once I dreamed a dream Of a different reality Now my fate is only what I presume Caught in the net A hive of confusion Go of your beliefs. Learn to unlearn. Understand that the world is your dream and no one else is Once you were a shadow, but now you are a dreamer. Once. You were a shadow, but now you are a dreamer Caught, caught in the net, a hive of confusion you were a shadow but now you are a dreamer once you were a shadow but now you are a dreamer